Welcome to Talk This Water, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of water with those making waves. My name is Todd Butler, and I'm your host for Talk This Water. I'm also the principal of Collaborative Water Resolution, which you can find at waterspeeds.org. In addition, I'm editor-in-chief of Texas Just Water and the Texas Water Journal. Both publications are free. My guest today is Kelly Cochran. Kelly is the general manager of the Guadalupe County Groundwater Conservation District, which is located in Seguin, Texas. Kelly began her career with the district in 2014 as the executive administrator and was promoted to general manager in 2018. She is a graduate of Texas State University, where she earned both a Bachelor of Science and a Master of Applied Geography. And, you know, I'm also an alum of Texas State. Uh, Kelly also serves today as Administrator of Groundwater Management Area 13, and she is parliamentarian on the Texas Alliance of Groundwater Conservation Districts Board and serves on the Alliance's Executive Committee. Kelly was the first woman to chair the Groundwater Science Division of the Texas Groundwater Association and received the Texas Groundwater Association's Groundwater Science Person of the Year Award in January 2023. And I just want to note, as we get started here, that Kelly and I are at the uh, Texas uh, Wildflower Center uh, here in Austin, and we're sitting out in, you know, the areas where the gardens are, and you can hear a water feature right behind us. There's a a little um, uh, waterfall kind of brook going behind us. Uh, giving us a little extra, you know, um, context to our discussion about water day. So, Kelly, thank you for being here, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about groundwater. Well, thank you for inviting me. So let's start out with your background, and, um, you know, I always like to ask people, you know, how they first became interested in water as a career. Well, I've always been drawn to water, you know, my whole life in college. I basically lived on the San Marcos River. I enjoy camping and wildlife and really anything to do with nature. So every vacation I plan, it's always focused around water somehow. And as you mentioned, my degrees are in environmental sciences. So I feel very fortunate to have a career that aligns with my passion for water. Great. Well, you know, like like they say, um, if you have a, a career that you love, you know, you never work a day. Uh, I do feel like I work a lot of days, but you know, I'm not sure that's true, but <laughs> it's, I enjoy it. Yeah. Better than something that you know you, you don't look forward to doing when you get up every morning. Um, so uh, let's let's kind of start off with kind of you know groundwater 101. Uh, you know, we have uh, listeners in Texas, Texas, but we also have listeners in other states, and we actually actually have some international listeners as well, and so. Um, let's give them some context about how we manage or in some cases don't manage uh, groundwater in Texas. Sure. So in Texas, uh, all the groundwater is owned by the landowner above. But if your property is located within a groundwater conservation district, we call those GCDs, then special rules uh, related to spacing and production of that groundwater apply. Uh, Groundwater conservation districts, they were created to protect private property rights. Um, They're there to balance conservation and develop the groundwater. We're charged with using the best available science. Um, Chapter 36 of the Texas Water Code is what governs everything that we do. Um, The first GCD was created in 1951. 
And fast forward, now there's like 100 groundwater conservation districts all around Texas, including subsidence districts and the Edwards Aquifer Authority here in Austin. Um, Texas has 16 regional water planning groups, and those are labeled with letters A through P, and they work with all the stakeholders to develop the state water plan for Texas. And there's also 16 groundwater management areas. Those are numbered 1 through 16, and those are called groundwater management area GMA. So the GMAs are aligned uh, over aquifers, over shared aquifers. And all GCDs, all groundwater conservation districts, they're all part of at least one groundwater management area. And in my area, in Guadalupe County, we're part of Region L and groundwater management area 13. It's, it's a pretty big responsibility what groundwater conservation districts have to do. You know, we have to register every well that's located within our boundaries, promote conservation, education tools, issue permits that are going to allow for not only the preservation of groundwater, but also with the future development that's happening all around us. So um, a couple things. The uh, Just to kind of reiterate here, for the regional water planning groups, those 16 uh, regional groups, which are uh, having a letter in front of them, there are different areas than the 16 groundwater management areas, which have a number in front of them. And uh, the groundwater management areas, you know, are, are related to the the boundaries of, of, of aquifers to some extent and the uh, districts which are over those aquifers. And for regional water planning groups, they're, they're you know, they're somewhat related to river basins, but they're, they're in some ways more politically created. And so, you know, they have kind of different shapes to them. And, and uh, you know, those uh, you know, different, um, you know, districts uh, or actually groundwater management areas and regional water planning groups, they, they do work together. Yes. Okay, good. And uh, you mentioned that one of the things that you have to do is you have to register all the wells in your district. And I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about the, uh, not the exempt wells, but, but the non-exempt wells, or do you have, do you register both? Chapter 36 of the Water Code says every well needs to be registered. So exempt wells, which would be domestic livestock use wells and non-exempt wells, public water supply, irrigation, industrial. So every well needs to be registered with the district. Okay. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I've looked I've looked at you know what some other districts are doing. Some are like reg- trying to register and find out where the, the exempt wells are and some don't seem to be doing that. And so... It's a staffing issue. I mean, yeah. it's a, it depends how big your area is. It, it's, it's quite an undertaking to do that. How many, I mean, that's a good question to, to as we get into you talking about your, your district, how, what's the size of your staff? Two people, <laughs> myself <laughs> yeah. and an administrative assistant. Uh, but we also have contractual agreements with hydrogeologists, uh, GIS specialists, uh, field support. Okay. And kind of looking at the, the size of the staff and the, the expert help that you have, is that somewhat typical for all these groundwater districts in Texas or is that unusual? It really depends because, you know, like I said, there's a hundred of us out there and some of them are multi-county with a lot of funding. Some have taxing jurisdictions, so they have different revenue sources. Our district is very small. We're only about two thirds of Guadalupe County. And so, um, 
it just depends, you know, really just depends. So um, tell us more about your district, including now you mentioned taxing authority. Are you are you one of the districts that's tax, taxing authority or do you uh, get your revenue from fees related to pumping? Yeah, our enabling legislation uh that created us in 1997 did not give us taxing jurisdiction. So all of our fees are just from uh, produced water, permitted water, I should say. Okay. So for the permitted water, you know, the fees come from uh, non-exempt wells. And in our area, that's largely public water supply systems. Gotcha. And tell us kind of, you know, where you are in the state, your district, and, and, you know, what the aquifer is like that you regulate or aquifers. Yeah, we have the Guadal- in Guadalupe County, uh, Seguin area, like you said, um, we have the Carrizo and the Wilcox aquifers. And you're in central Texas somewhat? Yes. You're what, uh, you're, I guess you're east of San Antonio? Yes. Okay. And uh, are you? is your district, uh, you know, include the entire boundary of, of Guadalupe County or is it uh, multiple counties? What what? That, yeah, no, we're small. We only have two thirds of the of the county, so we're bordered on on the sides by the different uh, counties. So we've got uh, Gonzales County to our south, Wilson County to our west, and then I ten is kind of a boundary to our north, kind of zigzags just a little bit. Everything north of I ten is the Edwards Aquifer Authority. Okay, and so you've got two uh, aquifers in your district, and so how do you how do you manage that? We manage them differently, but we use the same thing, uh, the correlative rights for it. So correlative rights is, is a term that we use in the water industry to say that it's a, it's a proportion of the amount of, of property that you have that you would get the water underneath. So for the Wilcox, we do half an acre foot per surface acre owned. And for the Carrizo, we use correlative rights, but it's a, we take it a little step further, uh, which is kind of unique for our area, and have a 3D saturated thickness model. So it's still correlative rights because it's still based on the parcel of land above the aquifer. But with that, we do a, a saturated thickness of the sands underneath that property and allocate a portion of those sands by a policy decision to that landowner. Oh, okay. That does sound unique. Are there other districts in Texas that, that do that? I think there are a few, but I'm not aware of, of how they handle them. Every district does their rules differently because each aquifer is different. And so all across Texas, every each groundwater conservation district has different rules. And, you know, when you think about that, that's that makes things pretty complicated in Texas. I imagine if you're, you know, if you're, um, you know, uh, a regional entity and you're, you've got multiple districts in your region and, for example, a water provider and you're thinking about, well, we need some, some groundwater um, for, uh, you know, the, the city, say, that's in our district or something. You, you've got to, I guess, be familiar with all those districts and the, the, the different uh, ways that they manage their groundwater. That's true. So, uh you know, thinking about that, um, you know, there are efforts to coordinate some of the management efforts within these districts. And uh, so, you know, that's a good uh, place to start uh, in terms of talking about groundwater management areas. What what are those? 
So groundwater management areas, those are joint planning groups. Um, and like you said before, they over they overlie a shared aquifer system. So like, for example, GMA 13, we're over the southern portion of the Carrizo-Wilcox. There's Queen City, Sparta in that area. So those groundwater conservation districts get together and meet at least once a year, but over a five-year period, what we're working towards is to develop what's called a desired future condition of the aquifer. And in the water industry, we abbreviate everything. So right. you got GMAs, and so now there's DFCs. Mm-hmm. And the, the DFC, that desired future condition, it's really it's the health of the aquifer and what we want that aquifer to look like looking 50 years out into the future. And we do that every five years. So those planning groups get together with stakeholder input, which is key, having the public come to these meetings and discuss you know, historic pumping, current pumping, future pumping projects. All of that stuff is brought together and we, we model that. Each groundwater conservation district in the GMA, we hire a hydro uh, geologist and consultants, and we use computer modeling to determine what the groundwater availability is in that area. And so those are called groundwater availability models or GAMs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we take those GAMs and we use those models to develop uh, what's another term, the MAG, the modeled available groundwater. And uh, that is given to us by the Water Development Board. Okay. And so through the desired future conditions process, you you eventually get this amount of water that uh, each district can permit or pump or what's the, how's that work? It's a guideline, really. The desired future condition can be, it's different for every aquifer, different for every district, for every region. Uh, Sometimes it's a measurement of spring flow, whether the springs, you know, are flowing. Um, In our area, we look at saturation thickness of the water bearing feature of the aquifer. And so it just really depends, but we're looking at that health going out into the future. So, for example, um, a, a district may say, hey, we would like to keep these uh, springs flowing out of an aquifer. And that means we, we know that pumping has got to be um, kind of you know, below a certain amount based on that. And that's how you, you know, figure out how much individual permit holders can, can actually pump. Some groundwater conservation districts do it that way. They, they'll they'll, per, they'll permit up to that mag value, but that mag value goes out, you know, 50 years. And so you look at it in different five-year increments, and it's constantly being updated with the most available science at the time. Okay. So what is the saturation thickness model? In Guadalupe County, our area, we have a large part of the outcrop. And so the outcrop is the recharge zone. And so for the Carrizo aquifer, what we did was we developed that 3D model to help us allocate how much water we would allow to be permitted. And so a portion of it by policy decision is given to each of the landowners who sit above the aquifer. Uh, We use a value of 16,000 acre feet. That is our annual production cap. That's the amount that we're going to permit on an annual basis out of the Carrizo. And that number is in line with our modeled available groundwater, our MAG values, going out to the year 2070. And it's also 
part of the amount of annual recharge that comes into that area for us. So by capping that production to just above the annual recharge, it's, it allows for a sustainable management practice and, and protection of that outcrop in our area. So you mentioned the word cap a few times there. Um, you know, for, for your district, that I understand that this, this really does function as more or less of a cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I know other districts, it's not really, it's kind of hard to tell whether it really does. But um, <clears throat> it's, I guess, for, for, for your district, it's a cap which can be modified every five years based on what the, the district sees as the, uh, you know, future condition it'd like to see the aquifer in and any new science that's available? Is that, am I getting closer? You're absolutely correct. We actually look at it annually. Um, and then every five years when the DFC cycle changes and we adopt a new DFC, we determine whether or not we're still in line with what the new modeled available groundwater numbers are because those get released by the Water Development Board. Okay. And so the, the five-year process is, is that underway right now? Uh, I guess it's one, kind of underway all the time in some ways. Right? It is. As soon as it ends, you just start right back over again because it takes all that time to put together the entire process. So, yeah, we're, we're in the fourth round of DFCs since the inception of coming up with desired future conditions. This is the fourth five-year cycle that we've been involved in, and we're beginning the second year of it right now. Okay. And um, I know that uh, California has um, Sigma, uh, which I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it's a Sustainable Groundwater Management Act is what they call it. And, and I think I think the way they're doing it is they're they're doing it kind of as what you not want your aquifer to look like, whereas ours is what you what do you want to look like. So I guess it's somewhat different in the way they're approaching it, but. Um, that's some context for for people who may be more familiar with that process than than desired future conditions here in Texas. Um, so uh, the uh, district that you manage, you also have historical use of groundwater that existed before the district was created. Um, you know, how do you uh, kind of marry uh, you know the recognition of historical use with the correlative rights management system that you have in place. Yeah, when we were developing our rules back in 1999, there weren't that many established non-exempt wells in our area. There was one public water supply system, and so the board developed into the rules a way for an applicant to apply for historic usage. So they did apply for the historic use, and they were given a period of 25 years to uh, obtain those water rights under the new correlative rights system. And so uh, with that one historic use permit, it's already been almost 25 years. Next year actually is our 25th anniversary as a Guadalupe County Groundwater Conservation District. And so that historic use permit will sunset. It will expire. And that, that permittee will have to go out and purchase, lease, obtain somehow the rest of the groundwater rights to continue pumping just like everybody else does in our area. Okay, well, that's, that's an interesting approach. So um, uh, the historic use is recognized, but it's not a perpetual permit. It's got a, it's got a you know, well, I don't know, sunset, but it's got a limited life. And it's, it's a 
long life, right? I mean, 25 years. But during that life, they understand that, hey, they're going to have to find water to replace that amount eventually because that permit um, will no longer exist. The permit will continue to exist. They just need to replenish the water rights to back it up because they didn't have it 25 years ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I'm curious, do you know of any other district in the state that does it that way? Because, you know, there there are a lot of districts that are kind of, seems to me, struggling with, um, you know, recognizing historic uses and also, um, you know, trying to come up with a a way to sustainably manage their aquifers in the future. I don't. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. Every groundwater district has their own set of rules and uh, I don't say I'm hyper-focused on my area. I'm I'm aware of the other things in GMA 13, but uh, I I don't know of of how all the other districts handle their historic use. Maybe they should be looking at what you're doing. That's um, because that's a potential solution for uh, some of them that I, that I I know are kind of struggling with these issues. So groundwater seems to be having its moment right now. Uh, I'm curious if, if you kind of, notice that, uh, you know, there's a litigation that, of course, it's, it's over now between Mississippi and Tennessee over the Memphis Sands or the Sparta Aquifer. Um, there's, you know, the dramatic declines in uh, the aquifers in California's Central Valley. Um, Arizona has been in the news over the last year quite a bit about um, its groundwater issues. And uh, then there's, you know, this series that's been in the New York Times looking at groundwater issues across the U.S. Um, you know, somebody is who's at the center of these local groundwater management issues, does it kind of feel like you're, you know, you see that we're entering a kind of a, a time when there's maybe going to be some significant changes on the horizon for how groundwater is managed and, and valued? Yes. <laughs> uh, Texas is experiencing tremendous growth and the need for water is only going to increase in our area is no different. You know, we've got that expansion on I-35 and the I-10 and 130 corridor subdivisions popping up all around us. Everybody needs water. But I feel that we've got a good system in place to manage the groundwater, the process for evaluating, you know, the current needs, the future potential needs is addressed in all aspects of the planning process from the local regional all the way up to the state water plan but i do believe that local management's the key as you know each aquifer is different and can vary over distances which is why each district's developed their own specific rules to manage it um increased conservation practices and not only in times of drought mm-hmm. i think that's going to be key too for helping everybody find the water that they need and uh the other part of your question, the value of water. Yeah, water markets. Yeah, that, that's way more complex to answer. Uh, water is essential for life. Groundwater districts are here to help manage, protect them. Uh, I take my job very seriously. And as I mentioned before, you know, my passions, they have always include water, the protection of the environment. That's always been at the core. So I feel very blessed to uh, get to combine my love of water and my career. That's great. That's great. Uh, You're lucky that you can combine those things. So let's kind of wrap up with our last question. And uh, really just, you know, how can our listeners find out more about your district and uh, how you are managing your groundwater? 
They can visit our website, www.gcgcd.org. They can call the office. All of our information's there. I'm happy to help. Right, right. Well, I hope you get some calls because, uh, uh, you know, I've found that, you know, you really know what's happening in terms of groundwater management in Texas. And, and um, you know, you're, you're great at explaining it, I think, which is, uh, it's a complicated, I mean, they're complicated subjects, right? I mean, how the state manages groundwater and how individual districts do it and, and all. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it takes us, you know, a certain amount of talent, you know, to be able to like translate complex, you know, water management issues into, uh, you know, language that, that people can readily understand. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, Kelly, um, thanks for joining me today. I really enjoyed this and, you know, we kind of had the perfect weather to do it here in Austin. You know, December, just right before Christmas, and it's 70 degrees and, you know, beautiful outside. Indeed. Kelly, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was fun, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So this has been Talkless Water. My guest today was Kelly Cochran, General Manager of the Guadalupe County Groundwater Conservation District in Seguin, Texas. I want to thank you, the listener, for spending your valuable time on this podcast. And finally, I want to thank uh, and give a big thank you to Anna Huff at the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment at Texas State University for getting each episode of Talk Plus Water ready to go. My name is Todd Bobber. Let's talk water again soon.